Everyone has a different agenda at the end of the day. We always just try to think outside the box to how can we get them their results. You know, uh, we're not here to come up with the ideas for them necessarily, but if a client comes to us and says like, hey, this is what we're trying to do, what can you do for us? That's when we put on our thinking cap and, and, and get to work. If any of you have so much as attempted to sell a single product, even on your own personal Facebook page to family and friends for other transactional values other than money, you need an image. And even if you don't have one, you need to write copy that allows for the reader to imagine it for themselves. Images are essential. And we hone in on the subject with my guest today, Zach Schiffman of Studio Z Photo Booths. We talk about the ever-evolving challenge of innovating in the photography space. When it comes to marketing, we introduce some new formats you might not have heard before. So let's hope we get your creativity going. Zach Schiffman, it is good to have you here at Ecomonics. How are you doing today? How are you feeling? I am doing great. It's a wonderful, wonderful sunny day outside. Um, and I'm just happy to be here. Decent weather for us too. It's been, okay, we're doing the weather talk. Get out of our system. It's yes. been uh, it, it, it's been a pretty like rainy July for me so far. And we have our weekly marketing meetings. And so I always have to wake up at the earliest that I have to wake up throughout the week. So it, it, it was nice though. I was just, after afterwards, I was sitting at the Starbucks uh, on the bench outside, just like baking in the heat, being like, yeah. Not a bad place to be, all things considered. So, <laughs> so, so, that's, so that's my that's my day so far. It's great to have you here, and I also just want to give um, a, a thank you to the people who put you in contact with us. Uh, it, it means a lot to me personally to know that there are um, agencies and there's people who are personnel who are um, booking and are, and they look at our show and they say, yeah, let's get this guy on uh, to to the program. And I mean, uh, full disclosure, I'm sure that they do they do this a fair amount. But from my point of view, it does still mean a lot. So I just wanted to express gratitude for that. All right. So where I'm about out of the way, uh, Zach Schiffman, tell us what you do and what you're up to these days. So my name is Zach Schiffman. I own a company called Studio Z Custom Photo Activations. Um, we're based out of the New York City tri-state area, uh, but we operate nationally um, and sometimes globally. Um, there's nowhere an event won't take us. Uh, we do high-end photo and video experiences. Um, we don't like to say photo booths, even though if you look at our tax return, our, our company name is technically Studio Z Photo Booths, but over the past 10 years, that's sort of evolved. Um, where, you know, photo booths are, I don't like to use the word antiquated or outdated, but they've just become so much more in, in the age of Instagram and phones where content is king and uniqueness reigns supreme. Um, we're, we're looking beyond the two by six photo strip and instead looking at ways that's immersive, um, not only for social events like weddings, et cetera, but more for brand activations, corporate parties, um, national tours, things like that, that really engage a consumer um, to interact with a brand or product. And because this is the first that I have heard the term um, photo activation, uh, I'd like to know what how you characterize that for our audience. Yeah. So it stems into experiential marketing, guerrilla marketing, those types of things where, you know, a brand contacts us, say, we're going to be at, you know, the MLB All-Star Game. We use that, for instance. And let's say the company's T-Mobile, they're presenting sponsor, and there's a fan village, and they want a way to, you know, bring 
consumers into their bubble. And it might not be to directly promote a product, but it could be, hey, here's this fun, we call them activations, experience that a guest can step into, be it you know a slow motion video or, or, or steady cam where a guy's wearing a camera and running around you and making your own little music video or are you hitting a is for these brands to sneak their branding into it. You know, it could be a logo, it could be full custom treated, but we create these experiences where the guest wants to post it and wants to give that quote unquote free marketing to their followers. You know, you reminded me of something that I hadn't thought about um, prior to for a while. So this is going to be an odd story for my audience, but sure. I was a very, uh, I was into a show called um, uh, The Handmaid's Tale, at least for the first two seasons. By, by season three, I started to, to peter out. The, the the horror element to me, I felt was diminishing, but that's a whole other uh, situation. And and I, I, as much as I think my recurring audience understands by now that I'm freaking weird, uh, I... We all? Dis- I, I certainly hope so. I, <laughs> my mom was like, you're still dressing up for Halloween. You're, you're, you're like, you're in your late twenties. I'm like, yeah, cause we're all going to die someday. Anyways, <laughs> I really enjoy, like I, I enjoy the, the concept of gender bending. And so I said, you know, I'm going to do, I'm going to do a male handmade version of it. Okay. Um, and uh, some of my friends were skeptical about that. They thought it was insensitive and it turns out everybody really appreciated it. And I remember, and so the reason why I'm bringing this up is I remember going to a fan convention back when we had those. And there was a, a photo booth for, it was a movie, I think it was called The Nun. And the guy okay. pulls pulls me into the line and says, you can come take a photo with us. And I think he did that is because what I was doing from my perspective as a fan was enhancing the brand for them mm-hmm. because of the way I was dressed and it lined yeah. up with the, the horror element. Yep. And so I, I pose that to you as part of the experiences. Our customers able to effectively enhance the brand as well in spite of their their own enjoyment of it. Like they're wearing the jerseys, they're they got the hat on. And so and I think that's part of the strategy, but I'd like to hear from your perspective. Yeah, I mean it definitely is. It, there's there's different ways you could look at it. It could be something where it's just, you know, on the streets in New York and they're just looking for that passerby. Or it could be that they're focusing on a niche market at something like the All-Star Game or a New York Comic Con where they're looking for those rabid fans. You know, like Handmaid's Tale is like something very specific. You could come to us and say, you know, hey, we're with Hulu. We're going to be at New York Comic Con and we want a Handmaid's Tale experience. Well, we could create like an immersive green screen photo booth to put you in scenes of the Handmaid's Tale. Or we could create like um, a virtual morph where your face turns into one of the characters. You know, and, and it's it's fun for the fans and it's fun for the brand. And it, it takes, you know, you out of the TV screen and, and into the real world. And it just helps grow that that natural engagement. And, you know, all these companies just hope that you share it, you show your friends. And if it if you can add one person, you know, into their world, then it, it's a win for them. Um, you know, sometimes companies aren't looking for the KPI or the ROI on it. They just want a fun experience for for their loyal fan base or their consumers, customers, et cetera. Yeah. And, and I think that there's a major struggle there because you do have, um, you know, accountability departments that are trying to keep track of these KPIs. Sure. For good, for good reason, because, uh, you know, everyone's trying to not only stay employed, but uh, but thrive and they want to see the company do well. But there's so much that you just can't quantify. 
Uh, you can't yeah. quantify the, the 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 moment to moment experience that people are having talking to a, with their parents, their friends about this great uh, this great trip they had. I would say with the emergence of social media, that has certainly gotten a lot easier because now people can post their own photos. Uh, people are encouraged to share more of their personal experience, but. Um, it, it's still uh, not exactly one-to-one with the real-life experience that people are having. I say in the past you know, five, seven years, social media landscape has changed very much so. When, when Instagram first came out you know, and the dawn of the hashtag was born and everyone started using it, it was, you know, how many hashtags can we throw on a post? Hashtag Coca-Cola, hashtag T-Mobile, let's at them, this and that. And then people started learning that they could monetize this. You know, the Kardashians, the influencers of the world said, hey, why am I promoting your brand without being paid? Um, so that's where we come in now because naturally, like, I'm not going to go someplace, see something and just tag a brand or promote them for free. You know, it's just like, eh, it's boring. But if you hire a company like ours that can create a unique experience that the fan or consumer or the passerby just says like, wow, what I just did was really cool. I have to put this on my story. And they forget that that logo is in the corner. They forget that that end title card with all the flashy branding, or they forget that there's a product in the shot, you know, it has subliminal as it could be. Um, those are the ways these brands are trying to break into the Instagram, the TikTok world now without having to pay, you know, influencers. And I, I think influencers too, I mean, at least personally, they don't hold as much worth as they used to. I see things now, I'm like, eh, do they really use that product or how much did they get paid for this today? You know? Yeah. I mean, it, I, I think it's a, it's a niche by niche basis. Like for instance, I think if somebody is an influencer in the, in the clothing niche, you know, it's like, oh, wow, you're, you're wearing different clothes from a different brand. I don't blame you for that one bit because people are not going to wear the same clothes on a day-to-day basis. And I think wearing like clothing for one brand, because uh, it's, a, it's a balancing act between, you know, if I'm constantly wearing the same brand over and over again, I think that's also a form of disingenuity where it's like, okay, well, now it's, you know, I, uh, I, I might as well just tattoo Nike to my chest for, for all the consistency that I'm giving them. Uh, and there's also um, a, a compelling, I guess, intersection between a couple of challenges here. So yeah, the first challenge is having a, a genuine experience for the person. You have the brand wanting to convey a genuine experience, and then you have that being translated onto social media. So you have these three pillars that are all, um, it's a balancing act between the three of them. And you have to forgive me because I'm kind of like thinking of this question on the fly, but I think social media is, uh, it's it's a close reflection of reality, but it's not quite to establish that. Right. Um, and so what we have is we have brands that are trying to give the consumer a genuine experience. They're trying to translate that into a social media experience, which we accept to some degree is a heightening of reality. And that goes back to the brand. So from your point of view, uh, how are all of three of these components staying as grounded as possible? I mean, I think they're all intertwined, um, but they, it, it's not necessarily like it has to be this way. It's not every brand doesn't come to us and say, like, we're looking for engagement on social media. It could be a company holiday party, you know, and they just want to do something fun for their employees. Or it could be, you know, just a festival and a sponsor is just looking for something to throw their money at, you know, but not looking for the huge return, but a very more localized type of thing. And then it can it can branch out into more simpler terms. I mean, you think of COVID in the past year and you think of retail environment. Um, nobody went to malls. 
and people are starting to trickle back into the real world. But if everyone wasn't buying online, they are now, you know, and now it's how do you get consumers back into a, a brick and mortar store? Um, and incentives, those are always the way. And there, there are ways that, you know, brands could utilize our company like like us to do these kind of things without caring about social media or brand recognition. It could be as simple as a sign out at a mall that says, scan this QR code. It asks you to take a photo on your phone. It gets branded and then it gives you a four digit code. You take that code to the Nike store and you enter that code on a digital safe. And that safe either tells you you want a product or you didn't. But now you're in the store. Now you've brought a customer through the threshold and they're more likely to buy. So I like it, I know I kind of went off topic there, but it it doesn't have to be about social media. I think there is a ton that it's involved with, but the, brands and clients can come at this from a million angles. Everyone has a different agenda at the end of the day, um, and we always just try to think outside the box to how can we get them their results. You know, I, we're not here to come up with the ideas for them necessarily, but if a client comes to us and says like, hey, this is what we're trying to do. What can you do for us? That's when we put on our thinking cap and and, and get to work. And with respect to um, a client confidentiality, um, are there any case studies that stick out in your mind of uh, you really being um, involved in the collaborative process? Yeah. So um, a few years back, iHeartRadio does you know concerts all, all over the country. They do a big thing called Jingle Ball um, in the States. And it tours around the country and it sells out instantly. And I'd say like probably 50% of the tickets are given to sponsors and, you know, local radio stations for giveaways. It's very hard to come by tickets. So they always have a fan fest with like free, it's a free concert for lesser known artists, but you can go, it's a very teenage, you know, early twenties market. And it's a, a free fan fest with uh, probably, you know, 20 to 50 sponsored booths, a lot of photo experiences, a lot of uh, free branding everywhere. And we had a sponsor that said, you know, we're doing one of these booths at the, the fan fest at Jingle Ball um, and we're promoting for Brookstone. What can we do? And they were promoting Ariana Grande had a pair of headphones that had like cat ear speakers. They were the ugliest things you've ever seen, but you know, they were teeny bopper-esque. And we ended up creating a sound booth. It was like a three-tier plexiglass sound booth with an on-air light behind them. And we just filled it with confetti. And we did boomerangs of kids throwing confetti and it had a mic stand and they would like pretend to sing. But the caveat was you had to share it to Instagram with at Brookstone, hashtag Brookstone, hashtag Ariana Grande, whatever, whatever it was. And we were offering two tickets to that night's concert, which none of these kids had access to. And in the three hours that we were operational, I think we did 400 posts to social media because everyone wanted to win. And we called, we DM the winner, said, hey, hey, come to the booth, you won tickets. And we just hear like two girls scream from across the room over the concert and they just come running. So like those are the kind of things that we, we love doing that. Those, I always say like gamification and, and incentivizing is always the best way for a brand. You know, don't come at us and say like, why didn't anyone post this organically? Well, sometimes you got to give them that little bit of, hey, do you want to win something? Here's what you have to do. 
I'm going to go uh, uh, touch on this. Uh, this is going um, rather to a detour here, but I think it's an interesting <laughs> observation, which is I, I think gambling is actually like a really healthy thing for for economy because usually a transaction has to be a win-win for both sides. But if people are willing to gamble, whether it's their time or their energy or their money, um, what you have is this win-lose scenario that everyone's actually okay with because they're like a bunch of people or they're all willing to take the photos they're all willing to uh, take the chance on it using their time still having some fun but not everybody gets to win and that actually produces um a profitability a profitability margin that you can't get if you were to just give everybody tickets anyways yeah we're, we're, we're building on a, a question that i had written down earlier and i, I just you know, things have been cascading uh, ever since, but I wanted to make sure that we, that we get to it because you were mentioning how the evolution of the the photo booth and uh, it's almost like now the photo booth is like a nostalgic experience. Uh, my, right. my, my girlfriend and I, we sat in a photo booth for the first time like a year and a half ago. And uh, you you think that these things would come natural to us, but I was abysmal in that thing. Uh, so now it's just this reminder that I'm an overthinker, even in a freaking photo booth. But what 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 stuck out to me was... I, th- I think like the, you know, the, on a technical level, what makes photo booths effective is that they're consistent. You know, you sit inside, you get your background and you take clear photos that, uh, that certainly do their job. And, you know, those photos can, uh, can last a lifetime. And what you we've been building up ever since in this conversation is the ability to, um, well, sorry. So with, you know, with people taking their own photos, they have so much technical prowess at their own disposal, just taking a selfie and something like that. So what we get to what you're doing is, um, is, you know, it's not only are you competing with like photo booths and, and, and classic, um, uh, methods, classic formats, but you're competing with each individual person who may very well just make a memorable experience all on their own. I mean, how yeah, often, I mean, yeah, we're competing ahead. with Instagram and Snapchat directly. And, you know, the TikTok era in the past year is fascinating. The things kids crank out on TikTok. I mean, I, I'm a TV major and a marketing major. And I remember, what was it, 12 years ago, like sitting in my computer lab at Emerson College trying to edit video. And it was a process, you know, importing off a of tape and and manually cutting and the render time to to export your final project. And then one thing was wrong and you had to restart it all over again. And, you know, that was a whole nother 12 hours. And now these kids have like the power in their phone and in the click of a button, it's instantly processed. And some of like my software and the industry software can't even compete with that. You know, it's Windows based. It it needs RAM. It needs it needs all the resources in the world where an iPhone is just like instantaneous. Um, and we're competing with that a lot. And, and that's why I say, you know, the photo booth is evolving because we integrate Snapchat AR filters. Um, you know, we make Instagram, um, uh, story filters for, for brands. We're working on one right now for, uh, a makeup company's, uh, virtual conference this year. And it's just like, you know, it's for internal use, but it, it puts on like the conference lanyard and it swings around them and things like that. Um, where they could go, you know, there maybe there's a company that could do it 10 times better than us, but we're going to also offer it because I don't want to lose customers because of new technology. You know, even if I have to outsource and subcontract, I don't, you know, that's what we do. But we're constantly looking for the next thing. And, and I constantly try to think of, well, what can we do that people can't do just with their phones organically? And that's where things like a 360-degree photo booth comes into play. We have a 48-inch a platform that can fit five people. 
and we swing an arm with a can with um, a slow motion camera around them, and we we instantly transfer it, process it, and share it in under a minute. And you know, short of someone taking their phone and running in circles around someone, it's a unique output that they can't get on their own through these apps. Um, so those are the things that. When I say we're not a photo booth company anymore, we're an experience or activation company, these are the things that we're trying to do. Our next big thing, if you've ever watched the red carpet before any major award shows, they have a thing called the Glambot. It's a high-speed cinema robot. Um, it's done by a Directors Guild uh, director uh, out in, in Hollywood, and it's stunning. Um, and it's a quick one-second shot that is shot at such high speed, it exports you know 10 to 15 seconds in length. Uh, and it's one quick turn, pose, et cetera. But it's something that people can't do organically. Um, that's our next step. We're launching that at VidCon this year out in LA for the in like their creator lounge or or um, I don't know where we're actually the final footprint is for that. But like that's a big thing for us, you know. And that that's those type of things when you walk into a room and you see a cinema robot that stands eight, nine feet tall and is moving at, you know, three meters a second. You, those are things people step back and they're like, holy, holy shit, I need to do that. You know, I, holy shit, I need that. I will wait in line 30 to 40 minutes to do it. And I will put that on my social media right now. Like, and that's, that's what we focus on. Um, and, and there are times where we maybe focus on something that doesn't come to fruition and that's okay. But, you know, constantly looking to change and evolve and be different than the rest. Uh, you have to forgive me for asking this question. This is just pure personal uh, curiosity. But um, do you ever get um, a pushback, whether from a uh, from a, from a potential client or even from uh, some uh, a potential um, a customer or user of the experience, where uh, maybe they're concerned about like overexposure or uh, that it's getting to the point where a little bit too much of their of their life is being is being committed to video? I haven't really come across that. Um, that's interesting. Um, you know, every once in a while we have like repeat clients that will like come back to us and just say like, we just want to do something normal. Like we just want crisp, clean photos, you know, on a white background with our logo in the corner. We want to go back old school. And I'm like, all right, no problem. You know, or, you know, we don't have the budget to do something crazy, but we, we know we want or need something. Um, I don't get a lot of like the overexposure aspect of it. Um, I've had clients ask for non-branded photos. They just wanted an output that they thought would get shared more without their logo, which is fine. I didn't fully understand it, but when the time the event came and Chrissy Teigen and other you know models were walking in, it was for a diamond company. I was like, okay, now I get it. They're gonna organically post that. They're gonna tag them anyways. They didn't need their logo on it. They wanted to. They didn't. They didn't want to push their brand on these models and influencers and people that were coming in for this event. They wanted them to just have a good photo that they'll enjoy or a GIF animation and let what happens happen. Um, and I respect that. Yeah. Okay. I I, I appreciate the answer to that question. Uh, I sometimes I just come from like um, surprisingly be, you know, being being in in media. Um, I'm not skeptical of media, but I'm a bit of like a social media skeptic. Um, I've, told, I've only told this story one at a time on the program where um, we were having a, a party uh, and, uh, and a grasshopper gets in and it's like on the uh, on a cupboard. And so I grab a Tupperware container and I place it on the cupboard and I'm slowly inching it towards the side so that I can light up with the lid, catch it, go outside, release a grasshopper. And one of my friends, of course, has to video this whole thing. I'm like, are you videoing this? He's like, yeah. I'm like, why? I'm just trying to live my life. So yeah. 
that, this is kind of like where, where I come from sometimes, yeah. but uh, yeah, I, I was just that. curious about that one. I'll yeah. wrap that one up in a little bit. I wanted to make sure that we talked about the the different formats that you offer because um, while you know we discussed prior to the recording um, the ratio of people that we speak to um, strictly in e-commerce whether they be drop shippers or drop servicers or something using the term drop uh, that we also have we get to talk to media people um, not as uh, not as often so yeah with that said also uh, as sorry. a side note I'm sure. I'm a media professional as well I own this business I also work for NBC and the Today Show as a stage manager so I work in the, like the national news landscape um, I've been in production for 15 plus years now I started at ESPN worked my way through NBC I've worked for CBS Food Network all major places so um I always I love the mesh of my two lives I, they cross over in weird ways but it's been a happy crossover and I like, th- I like to see how that happens and how I can, you know, utilize my TV experience and my photo experience and vice versa. Yeah. I, I, I was definitely looking forward to asking about that too, because, uh, my, my producer, um, she, um, will pull out people's LinkedIn profiles so I can go oh, through okay, that. Sure. And it's, 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 it's coming again, coming from a skeptic. I'm just not a fan yep. of LinkedIn telling people who's, who's seen what. <laughs> uh, we'll chamber that. Cause I'm really uh, uh, interested in hearing about that. But the, the purpose of my uh, prior entire uh, tribe was to convey that in spite of the, um, the media uh, professionals that I had uh, spoken to so far, you offer really a lot of unique stuff that I haven't seen before. So we talked about the 360Z uh, um, photo booth. Uh, there's a couple of other ones I just wanted us to uh, let the audience know about, just to even get their own minds going. So there's Prism, uh, Camera Away, and then what sounds to be the most classical of them all is the photo slash gift booth. Yeah. So our photo slash gift booths are, we call them open air photo booths. They're not like the small enclosure things that you find in the mall. Uh, They're much more compact. They can fit in any size room. We do a freestanding backdrop. We custom print backdrops as well in any size. Um, And the kiosks themselves are about a one by one or two by two footprint. And they're really powerful. They can, you know, take regular photos. We can stitch photos together into a GIF. We do things called our glam filter. Some people call it the Kardashian filter because the Kardashians were known for having um, the company that originated this type of filter at their birthday parties. And then it kind of, as it does, spirals and becomes a fad. Um, And we've done anything from custom ID prints for James Bond uh, films to... um, taking the camera out of the photo booth and mounting it over beds of confetti and doing overhead photo booths. Uh, You mentioned things like prism is a kaleidoscope that you literally put your head in and it's a mirror. It's a triangular mirror that makes, you know, 15 to 20 of you, like you were looking through a kaleidoscope with colored lights and whatnot. And we set it to music. Um, Camera rays have been around for a while. It originated or became popular with the Matrix. That's how they did the effect around Neo when he was dodging bullets. Um, We have a smaller version. It's 11 cameras, so it's like a 120-degree arc. Um, They all fire at the same time, so they freeze you in motion. Uh, You could jump in the air, and we would capture that, and it would rotate around you and create that animation. Uh, People love that kind of stuff. Um, we do virtual photo booths in COVID. We've created, we create fully branded websites where um, event goers go online and take a photo of themselves on a website and it gets branded or a GIF, uh, something I thought would never take off and has surprisingly been one of the most lucrative things my company has ever done, um, which is crazy. One of the things I, I always say is my website or our website doesn't 
convey everything we do because the best thing we do are the out of the box, unique ideas a client comes to us with. You know, I can't put everything we've ever done in, you know, a few pages on a website and want it to perform on Google and load without slowing everything down. <laughs> yeah. uh, especially in, in our field, my SEO people every day are like, there's too many GIFs, there's too many, you know, big, big images on your, uh, on your site. But, you know, sometimes clients just come to us with weird or unique ideas. Um, Pre-COVID, we were doing something for the Kids' Choice Awards, and they said, we want to capture people running through an obstacle course at various points. And I was like, let's do it. And we had it all like set up, ready to go. And then, you know, COVID came and killed the whole event, among other events. Um, we were doing this, the Glambot style thing at Coachella, and it was going to wrap around a, um, I believe it was a Mini Cooper promoting their new car. And it was like, you sit in the driver's seat and this cinematic robot arm would fly around and hit different points, you know, showcase the front of the car and then fly up and into you in the driver's seat. Like those kind and put you basically in a commercial. Um, those are those unique ideas where, you know, someone comes to us and we're like, yes, let's do it. Um, with, with VidCon coming up in LA, which is like the big YouTube conference, um, we've pitched ideas. Clients have said, we want to make a room where it's, you walk in and there's a scientist and you're being recorded on an old school VHS style camcorder and you get superpowers and they're building the room up where like, if you punch something, it will shatter and break or, um, you know, you do other things and other, it's almost like an escape room where experiences happen when you trigger things and we were going to film it all and, and bundle it all together like a test subject video. Um, so that, that's where the fun is. You know, I mean, I love taking photos, but when someone comes to us with this like crazy idea, like let's do it, you know, let, let, let's go. That's where, that's where I wake up in the morning and I'm like, today's going to be a good day at work. Let's create. It must feel very freeing um, to be able to really let your creativity uh, flow and, and yeah. allow, and it's of great usage and great uh, value to the people who are reaching out to you. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, and we definitely like talked about the, you know, the, the corporate side, which we will continue to do so. And I, and I think that this is also true of, I guess, the more personal stuff that you work on too, because I know you also do um, weddings and events uh, yeah. along those lines. So I'm going to go on a limb and say that some people have come up with some pretty creative ideas for what they want on their big day. Yeah. You know, weddings are all over the place. It's, a lot of people just want standard, crisp photos. When we started this 10 years ago, I had two six-foot tables full of props, hats, boas, you know, and I thought this was the greatest thing. I thought this is what everybody wanted, um, you know, to look like assholes in, in wedding photos. And then I slowly changed my mindset and pivoted our brand to more of a luxury high-end company. And one of the ways we did that was really we got rid of props and we have like some little signs with sayings and maybe some sunglasses. But like that even makes me cringe now because I realized that while it's fun, the night of the wedding, what a couple really wants, you know, a year later is a great photo of a loved one that they might have lost. You know, that's not covered in a mask or a hat or something. It's just a great photo they can print and put on their wall. Um, and that's what we try to do. We're, we're photographers first. We use studio grade lighting. We know we don't really do like iPad photo booths, which are very popular right now. They have a time and place. I don't think like weddings are really that. Um, we use high end DSLRs, good lenses and good lighting. And we just, we try to be a 
secondary to the on-site wedding photographers, you know, to be able to capture from a different angle, um, capture throughout the night as the drunkenness goes on, but you still get, you know, that great capture. Um, we love doing black and whites, like in super high key, um, with our glam filter and everyone just looks like a model. And, you know, we always get emails from brides just saying like, thank you. We love these photos. They're so great. Or, you know, we lost so-and-so a month after I can't tell you how much it means to me that we have these photos that you guys were able to capture. And, and those are the, you know, the things that make you smile and realize we're doing something more than just, you know, a business to make money. Cause I mean, at the end of the day, that's what every business is, but, um, there's also a, a heartfelt part to it too, for sure. Yeah. I mean, there's, it's a, it's an ongoing, um, theme, um, throughout this program and not exclusive to our program, just throughout really, um, uh, any program that's uh, trying to trying to do their best, which is you know, are you being of service to others? And yeah. being compensated for that is is terrific. Allows for expansion. Allows for the ability to you know have that creative um, uh, freedom that uh, they get to uh, up in the morning makes you uh, really happy. So I I, yeah. I do admire that. Okay, so uh, I I chambered the uh, uh, your 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 backstory. So we definitely want to get into that because I think there's some really interesting stuff there. But I have one more question about the relationship between, and this is a very pragmatic, more um, a granular focused question about the relationship between. So you have corporate events and then you have personal events, which uh, such as weddings. Um, and I guess as an asterisk, are there other personal events you do as well, or is it largely weddings? Yeah, I mean, I think like I would say ninety percent of what we do on the social side are weddings, but engagement parties, we do do birthdays, we've done baby showers, we've done just house parties, um, you know, graduation parties, you know, where in the New York market, there's the Hamptons and things like that. And people just sometimes want to throw a lavish party, especially nowadays, now that, you know, everything's coming out of the restrictions and stuff. Um, yeah, the, I mean, everyday parties are, are also something we'll do. Okay, okay, cool. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to uh, uh, clear that up. I'm interested in knowing about the pricing structure, and you you answered it somewhat by saying that you've you pivoted towards um, a more uh, luxury experience. And weddings certainly have budgets. There's no yes. denying that. Uh, not all of them do, but uh, many of them, many of them do. So what I'm intrigued about is the balancing act between uh, how you price um, events for large corporations. That I mean, they have the capital for it. Sure. But to some degree, they are looking for to get something out of it in the long run. And then you have the social events, the weddings. They're also looking to get something out of it in the long run, but they're not necessarily trying to sell somebody a car. Right. So we've never put our pricing online just because there's so many factors that come with it. Um, we do have base pricing for each of our different offerings. So like our photo booths start at 1500 for a three hour window. And that generally is the same for a social wedding or a corporate event. But when a, when a large corporate event comes to us and says, you know, Hey, it's going to be an eight hour day. Uh, it's a conference. And these are things we've learned over 10 years of doing this. You know, we hear the words trade show, or we hear New York comic-con things. We know there are additional hours for load in because you only get specific times or we have to load in a day early. The Wi-Fi is going to be abysmal or we have to buy Wi-Fi from the unions that run the uh, expo centers. And those are the types of things that we have to build in costs for. And sometimes we overshoot and get lucky and sometimes we undershoot and it's like, ugh, this is way more work. And sometimes you, it's, it's interesting. I, I saw a meme going around the other day. It was very fitting to uh, a lot of industries and ours, I think, too, that said like, 
the the cheap client that spends $500 wants everything tomorrow done, like ask a million questions versus the client that spends $50,000 will just say, all right, we paid in full. Thank you. And it's with, with some exceptions, it's very true. I, I sometimes feel like the more money a company has to spend, the better the type of customer they are versus like I have some very um, stingy social clients that are like, I want to meet. I want to jump on Zoom, this and that. And I'm like, your wedding's a year away. Like, we're fine. Like, it's okay. Um, you know, <laughs> I don't like using terms bridezillas and stuff, but it's just like, like I don't have I have clients that are paying 15 times more than what this is that don't give me this hassle. Like, so that aspect is is interesting when we get into pricing because uh, sometimes because my social events are cheaper, pricing wise, sometimes they're more work um, than my high end clients. But it can definitely go either way. Uh, and and one of the things I noticed along the years as I raised my prices and became more of a luxury, and and maybe you can give me some of your dropship experience with this too, is the, the idea of perceived value. And that some people see our prices versus a cheaper company's price, and they instantly think, well, they look the same, but this guy's more expensive, so he may know what he's doing more. And they'll take us, um, which is interesting. And then I think about it and I'm like, well, sometimes I go on Amazon and I see two identical products and or or when I'm hiring a contractor, you know, maybe I don't pick the most expensive one, but I don't pick the cheapest one because I don't trust them. Um, so there's there's a psychology to to that as well when pricing, I think. And I think that transcends all uh, industries. Um, I'm curious if you've encountered that same type of thing in, in your line of work, but I have. So I, I have two observations to share with you. Um, the first one, I'm actually going to draw from my prior experience as a salesperson because I, I, I love watches and I have done, oh my God, why have I not done a dropshipping site for watches? Come on, Joseph, get it together. Anyways, so I, I, I've, I've sold, the first place that I worked sold watches between $100 to $200. For many, uh, that's still considered a luxury, but for a less, a smaller group of people, uh, that was, you know, um, pen, uh, pennies, uh, and then I uh, and then moved into a slightly higher one, and then the 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 big uh, Gazunga was working for a company for about a year selling Rolexes and uh, tag wires, and 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 you're reminding me of of a lot of uh, stories here, so like the equivalents of the uh, of the of the there's a term for it, and I don't know if uh, I've got the exact term, but it's called like the ace. The ace is somebody who is trying to get the most value possible. So those are the ones that are hopping on the Zoom calls. Those are the ones that are doing, uh, that are just really making life miserable. And what I noticed is for them, it's a very rare um, instance for them to be interacting at a different price level than in the past. Like maybe they save uh, often, maybe they're saving on food, maybe they're saving on this and on that. And then all of a sudden they're going to, from my experience, they're going to order a tag. Tags are a thousand dollars, not the most expensive watches that we have, but still, you know, a thousand dollars. And, and they are the most particular customers because there is a immense amount of, um, 
a weight and expectation put onto it. Uh, you don't. I, I, conversely, the most expensive watch I ever sold at uh, at this other store where we didn't have very many expensive watches. It was a Citizen. It was like like five grand, ten grand. I can't even remember. The guy was just like the chillest dude I've ever. Like he just walks up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I want to order this one. I'm like, all right, cool. I'll be here in two weeks. He's like, great. He comes back and grabs it. <laughs> I was like, okay, all right. I'll take my condition for the day. I think I think it's because they're they're used to that value perception more consistently. They're used to that in the food they eat. They're used to that in the content they consume, in the cars they drive. So when somebody um, enters that world, they're not there forever. They they enter it. They're going to get the most out of it they possibly can, and then they leave. And and that's my my takeaway, and I think that's probably what's uh, what's been occurring with um, the the Zillas that you've uh, encountered. So that's on that side. And the second observation was because you're talking about the perceived value more in line with dropshipping. Um, and I've told this story I think three times so far. So for those of you keeping track, uh, four more times than I owe you a coke. So um, I'm, I'm wear, I wear these gloves. Um, they help to minimize the risk of arthritis because I do many things with my hands, both work and play, of gaming. I'm never going to say that again. That was off. Just not not a wise comment. So the first time I bought them, they were 20 bucks. Uh, and then I realized uh, through another guest that I had prior to, about like six months ago, that these things are available on AliExpress. So I was like, go into AliExpress and I ordered $20 worth, which translates to, including shipping, three. Two extra sets for me and one for my girlfriend. And the reason why I made peace with this was because the 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 one that I paid twenty dollars to, they were doing the marketing. They have overhead. They have customer service. They have their own like you know um, invisible insurance policy where maybe somebody says, "Yeah, it's been ten days. This thing tore apart." I'm like, okay, we're just going to send you another one. We don't want you to. We would rather turn you into a happy customer than a dissatisfied customer at best. So so there is the perception of uh, a value in that regard, and that's the same thing that I apply with uh, my own uh, store too, which is. If people figure out that my product is available on AliExpress, they're going to pay less, but they're going to wait a heck of a lot longer. They're not going to have somebody giving them peace of mind. They're not going to have somebody guiding them, giving them specific advice for how to utilize a product. They're not going to have a website that's going to have content that expands their thinking. And so it's not just about the product, it's about the mission and it's about the brand. Yeah, definitely. And there's there's also just like for us, it's like a peace of mind. Um it's harder to compare prices in the social event world just because I think people just have their set budgets and um, they'll do what they do. Um, but like in the in the corporate brand space, um, it's it's about trust and they just they they go on a website that's built well like ours. You know, they see a sleek logo and they just think these people have their shit together. Uh, and hopefully we do. Versus you know a website that's built on Wix is made with Comic Sans, <laughs> has mustaches for logos. You know, are just very outdated. Yeah. I, I've gotten clients that have called me and said like, Hey, we hired this company for you know four hundred dollars and they canceled on us two days prior. And I said, Yeah, that's because they got someone for more money, and that's what they do. And they don't care about burning the bridge. And they're like, well, how much are you? And I'm like, well, that same service for us is 2500 And they're like, okay, book it. And I'm like, yeah, because at that price, that we will show up. Like, it is a contract between you and me, and we will make it happen. And, you know, we with these virtual events we're doing, we have these clients. I got an email right before this. It was just like, hey, we need another two-day one. Send us an invoice. We'll pay in full. They don't care about shopping around. They don't care about the price. They just know that our service worked. And they have a need. And they're just... 
They don't even ask for a discount. They've done like four of them with us. If they asked for 10% off, I'd probably give it to them. But they just know that like we work well together and we we hit their deliverables and they say, okay. Uh, we have another virtual event, the same makeup company that we quoted them the same as last year. It was like 15,000 for all the work. And then they were like, what if we add one or two more things? I was like, don't worry about it. We'll throw it in. Like, it's not a big deal. And they go, well, let's just up the scope of work to 19,000 just in case so we don't have to get more approval. And I said, okay, sure. Um, and I sent them the scope of work and she goes, I changed the number to 25,000 and I'm just like, girl, you do whatever you want. But like, it's just like, they don't even care. Like they, they're given their numbers by someone higher up and they said, you know, here's your budget. You either use it or you lose it. It's not like it's going in her personal pocket if she saves $500, you know? So she'd rather pay the money and get the experience she knows that will be great than to try to save a few bucks for the company when that budget's just going to get reallocated somewhere else and they'll lose it for next year. And I think that, um, um, speaking very broadly is money spent is always money invested depending on a person's state of mind. So even if they do overspend and it turns into, okay, well, you know what, we actually didn't need to spend that much. That's a learning lesson equivalent to the value that they uh, didn't get out of it. And, and then I, I'm not saying that personally to you whatsoever. I just, yeah, it's no. just people spend the money. And I remember uh, a I learned a hard less, a thousand dollar lesson 10 years ago, which is I paid somebody to do a web comic for me. And she, she, she called me, um, in, indirectly, of course, uh, high maintenance because I had like a week's worth of things I was still asking her to do. And, you know, I looked at it even to this day, it still wouldn't have been a thousand dollars, wouldn't even have that, but it sticks in my mind because I spent that money on it. So, you know, that money always is invested in, in one capacity or another. Now that Shopify has upgraded to version 2.0, we needed to make sure we were up to speed. So. We've released version 4.0 to ensure that we're 100% equipped to take advantage of the 2.0 revolution. If you haven't upgraded your store, head on over. And if you haven't gotten started, now's as good time as any. All right, so we chambered this long enough and we got to make sure we get to it before we run out of time. But your your backstory is, is fascinating. So I'll start you off with the uh, traditional backstory question, which is um, the origin of your business at that time, what problem were you finding was going unsolved? It wasn't even so much a problem. It was more for personal gains. Um, I had just graduated from college. I was working at ESPN in Bristol, Connecticut, which is like very middle of nowhere, Connecticut, not a lot to do. The job paid like sub 30000 a year. And I just wanted something to supplement my income so I could like enjoy dinners with friends and things like that. And I'd always been a photographer. Um, and I ended up at my cousin's wedding in Las Vegas. Um, and I saw, I I'd never seen an op like a photographer taking photos with proper lighting and like instantly sharing them. And they were great photos. And I thought, wow, that's something I think I could do. Fast forward two years. Um, grandmother passed away, left a little money, paid off all my student loans, had like $2,000 left over. And I said, I'm going to buy myself new camera gear. Thought I'd be a wedding photographer. Tried one wedding, nearly missed the first kiss, said this is way too stressful. Can't do this. And then I thought of the photo booth idea. And um, I bought the rest of equipment I needed. I launched on Groupon, you know, for next to nothing after their commission. But it got my name out there. This was when Groupon was a deal a day, not the marketplace they are now. So it was like very focused marketing for the area. Um, and then it just started taking off. And 
I ended up pivoting and leaving ESPN to come to New York City and the surrounding area to work for NBC. And I had a more rigid schedule. I knew I had weekends free. And that's when I decided I wanted to make more of a luxury brand and, and hit the New York market. And then it just started growing. Um, it, it started growing with people in the TV world that I had met. It started partnering with event planners and then PR firms. And it just, every year it just, I, it just kept growing more and more. And then I started bringing on people to work the events for me because I was working a full-time job and a full-time business. And my full-time job, I'm up at 4.30 in the morning and some of these events go to 11.30 at night. And um, I was dead, you know, and I'm still dead sometimes, but I, I, I pushed myself. I did it. I, I did it because I wanted a to at first to be able to just afford dinner. And then when I came to New York and I took a job that was six figures um, I wanted to grow my business into a six figure business and I wanted to save for a house in my future. And two years ago I bought my house and you know, now, now I'm investing in this and that. And, and now it's growing into a bigger brand. Um, and we're, you know, we, we operate nationally and I sub I have partners all across the States and major markets that we subcontract out or, or hire out direct. And, um, I'll get on a plane and fly for the big events. And it's just, it's been a roller coaster watching it grow. Short of COVID, we've gone up every year substantially. It's like one of those things people ask me all the time, are you going to leave the TV world and do photo booths full time? And I'm like, I don't know if I can. Like, I don't, I don't know how long this market will be around. I mean, just like the way TikTok is, you know, shaking up the market for video creators. Like, I, I don't, I don't know how, how much more stuff we can do. Um, when, when the novelty wears off, we'll always try to innovate, but, um, more and more people are doing it every day. The market is getting saturated more and every day. Um, but I, I still love it and I still continue it. And it's still, you know, a ride for me to do these complicated, big trade show events and, and make a client happy. And I, and I wanted to, well, this is kind of a, of a guess from my side. But comparatively speaking, your the work that you do, you said with uh, you're with NBC right now. Yeah, NBC okay. and the Today Show mainly. Right, and so you know, there's they have their they have a structure. Uh, I would imagine a rather um, a consistent structure. And my guess is, being a part of that structure, it fills this tank within you to want to um, you know do something creatively. So when you go to do your own, you know your own business, uh, the, the tank is full and it's like you're not you don't really have to use your creative thinking as much at, at work because things are, are regimented so much so it's definitely you know, yeah shooting on a day-to-day basis, yeah. There there's there's two folds that yes, uh, there's I the work can be very regimented. The, the way the today show is sometimes my days are like a chicken with his head cut off running around. Um and every no two days are are the same, which I like to say. Um, but I get to meet creatives. I get to meet all walks of life. This morning I hung out with Richard Branson. I mean, the man just went to space, and like here I am sitting in a green room one on one, and I'm just like, so space, huh? Like, <laughs> and he's like, yeah. And they're just like, that's freaking cool. Um, and then I said to him, I go, when's when's uh, the Virgin Cruise Line finally getting to seas? And he's like, hopefully later this month. And I was like. That's pretty cool. Uh, just so you know, my my company did your launch at the World Trade Center two years ago, and he's like, "No, no way! What are you doing?" I said, "We're a photo activation company, and and they were you guys were our client two years ago." And he's like, "That's really cool." He's like, "Good to see you." I mean, not that I met him two years ago, but 
It was it was just you know that cool like I said meshing of worlds. But at the, on the other end, when we're talking about like things like my 360 video or the Glambot experiences, that's when I get to take my director background, my TV background, and that's how I pitch myself over other companies. You know, anyone can slap a camera on these things and do it, but I I'd like to think that I have the creative directorial eye and I know how to talk to people in the ways I would in TV terms and and pose them and tell them like what's naturally going to look good and and how to, you know, make their experience even better. So I try to use those to my advantage. Yeah, and and I do think the credentials too go a long way if people understand what your you know your your current line of work uh, with, yeah. in 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 that exact moment I think also uh, lends a lot of credence to what it is that you plan on doing with uh, with with clients. Yeah. So I I tried to count up um, you know your different positions as a stage manager, but unfortunately I only have two hands, so I'm kind of out of my element there. What I wanted to know was the a relationship between the vertical experience and the lateral experience. And this is a concept that I'm developing, so I have to explain it. So vertical experience is being able to build off each position, take prior knowledge, it comes with you. Lateral experience is having to then establish a new vertical because now there's new experience that you have to uh, almost build from scratch. And being a stage manager in a lot of different positions, I'm wondering if there was, if it's mostly vertical or if there have been a different... No, it- things that you've had to build from scratch in in the tv world i'd say it's mostly lateral because no two shows are the same so like i i feel like i'm great at what i do on the today show um but then like i get called to work uh, a boxing match and i'd never done boxing before and the stage managing stage management of that is completely different i sit at like a table with the announcers and I'm handing them like cards that they have to read. And, but like, and I have to go find out the score of a sport I don't understand fully. And, 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 and that's a completely different like mind fuck to me. And I get very stressed out by it. But then, you know, the second time I do it, I'm great again. And I can build vertically off of that and add it to my, my skill set. Um, in the photo world, COVID was a great example of that. I mean, we vertically would always build off of, the photo booths we had and make them better and more unique. But then COVID was like, all of a sudden, events didn't exist. We didn't, you know, six months ago, we didn't know we, our summer would be this good. And I know in Canada, it's not there yet, but um, it's just, it's a whole other problem. (laughs) I mean, New York's like basically back open, but we thought this would be, you know, all of 2021. You know, the fact that that I went to a concert is crazy. You know, or I, I was on Bourbon Street in New Orleans over the weekend and it was like COVID never existed. Um, but I had to pivot this time last year and create a whole new product and a whole new experience to try to keep our business alive. And at that time, I wasn't I was uh, furloughed from NBC where I'm a freelancer there technically. Um, so I wasn't even working. So you, now you're just trying to stay afloat. And I had to learn to code more, you know, get my CSS chops up, um, my design chops up more, uh, and, and really figure out how I was going to offer this virtual photo booth product. And, um, we hit the market running early with the SEO and getting the webpage up. And, you know, there's now we rank one on Google for it and it paid off for us. Um, and now we see that sort of fizzle away and I don't know if it'll stay or there'll always be some sort of virtual or hybrid event. Um, so now I guess you're t- taking that lateral, like you said, and, and merging it with the vertical, because I, I think we will see events, we call them hybrid, where, you know, a trade show in Vegas could have a thousand people on the floor and a thousand people that are 
doing a virtual walkthrough experience online from their home, but they want, you know, photo experiences for everybody. Um, so that's, that's our next step. And that's like weird convergence, I guess, of, of the, the lateral and vertical. Great answer to the question. I, I wasn't sure what to, what to expect, but, uh, I was, this is why I'm glad I, I, I'm working on this, on this philosophy. Um, so we're, we're closing in, um, the last one that I'll, that I'll ask you, and this is more of a, a personal curiosity than anything is, um, of the virtual events, I guess, mainly within the last year, if any of them in, in particular really stuck out to you as how to make something like that memorable for someone who's, I guess, just accessing it from their own home. You know, it's interesting. Some of these virtual events will get like four photos and maybe the client didn't promote it right or it just, you know, it wasn't popular. Um, we do events that get the average amount, you know, a few hundred photos and everyone seems to have a good time. And then we'll get like a random event. We work with the Rotary Club and they had they did a bunch of like international conferences and they took thousands of photos in like two days. And they're all like older people. I'm like looking through the gallery and it's like 90% of it are like 55 and older. And that fascinated me because it's just like, maybe because they're not the Instagram people that this is new and exciting for them, but it wasn't the market I ever expected to see pop up on these photos. You know, it's still such a, it's, it's a very interesting world, but we're, we're creating different needs for different people. And it doesn't have to be like parties or, or brands Ford came to us and we created a whole intranet thing for their worldwide um, employee base where they take photos and type how they're contributing to what's called the Ford plan, which is like their internal goals. And they choose an emoji, they choose their country and their um, division. And there's a whole gallery that's now that we created that's sortable by division, by country. And you can see how other employees are contributing to the plan. But like the response to that is it, it launched a month ago and they have hundreds of photos and now they're about to do the worldwide launch of it. Like that's really cool. Like not something I expected, you know, to get a, a pitch for. Um, but it's very unique and very rewarding, I think, and, and also hopefully a great longtime client too. That, that certainly sticks out because um, we've, we've, we've talked about uh, employee advocacy in the past as well with um, Jonathan Baldock. So uh, for those of you who want to learn more about employee advocacy, I would recommend checking that one out just for the sake of it. But with that, uh, we're pretty much out of time here because uh, I know you got some you got some stuff that you got to do. <laughs> so I am going to just give you our closeout question and then we will uh, let the chips fall where they may. That was not not the best work that I've ever done, but it's okay. So uh, two parts. One is if you have like, I don't know, like a quote or words of wisdom or like a Chinese proverb you really like, you're welcome to share it. And then... <laughs> Put me on the spot of that. I don't think I have one, but I, I, I the, it runs the the gamut of uh, reactions that I get to that question. Yeah. Um, and then the other side is to just let the audience know. By the way, it's not obligatory, so if we have okay. some people skip it. Um, yeah. And the other side is just let the audience know how they can find out more of what you're doing, and who knows, maybe reach out to you themselves. Yeah, I mean, they can check us out at studiozphotobooths.com. There's an S on the end. Studiozphotobooths.com or at studiozphotobooths on Instagram. Um, we'll go anywhere. We'll do anything. We love the unique and crazy ideas. So, you know, if you ever thought you need something for an internal event, a large brand activation, a national tour, anything, you know, um, and you have some idea that involves a camera, let us know and we'll, we'll make it happen. Excellent. 
All right, so uh, we're gonna we're gonna skip out on the other half of the question. Yeah, I don't think yeah, I got yeah. one. <laughs> okay, well, you know what? I'll cover for you this time because actually I've been waiting for somebody to ask me this. But there's one piece of advice that this is gonna sound really weird, but I wonder my audience to think about it is try making friends with an asshole because I, I've been friends with assholes in the past, and they have a unique perspective. It's like some some of the things they say are wrong, but sometimes they say something that is so right and it's so potent that it actually uh, yields a lot of positive down the line. So as as hard as it is, some of the most like difficult people to deal with can actually provide a lot of interesting value. It's funny you say that because there's a lot of Facebook groups for um, my industry, and there's a lot of people that come into it that are either DJs or just like fly by night, like. They think this is a get rich quick scheme and they just expect they, they'll post like, what software do you use? What hardware? Like they don't want to work for themselves. They want it to be spoon fed. And everyone calls me that asshole in those groups that re- writes really like snarky responses. Um, and, 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 and they generally get turned off. They're like, oh, well, you know, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. And I'm like, it's not that I don't have anything nice to say. I'm pushing you to like actually focus on your business and create a business. No one handed it to me and I'm not handing it to you. You know, if you have a specific question, say, I tried this, 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 nothing worked. What's something I can do? Don't just say, how do I do this? Like, what do I need to launch my business? Go research, go figure it out. And every once in a while, I'll get someone to say like, hey, that guy I always think was an asshole, but he actually is really smart. And he actually pushed me to go out there and just try to figure it out for myself. And now I'm better for it. And that every once in a while I see that and I'm like, there you go. And I'm glad I could help you there, you know, so maybe I am that asshole, but, but you're right. Make friends with an asshole. You never know yeah, what will come yeah. from it. Yeah. I mean, we're out of time, but I'm, I can think of a few situations where, where I've played that role as well. You know, we all have yeah. to put on different hats at different times. Totally. All right. Well, um, with that, uh, Zach, uh, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, it's been great yeah, to definitely. meet you. It's been great Blue to uh, compare notes and, and really re- revel in, in your accomplishments. So to that, I say congratulations. Thank you. You're welcome. Appreciate and, it. Uh, with that too, my audience, I try to say this differently each time, not the terminology, just the tone of voice. It is an honor and a privilege to be able to collect this information and share it with all of you. So you all know what to do if you want to get in touch. Uh, one more thank you to my guest for the road and to all of you, take care and we will check in soon. Thanks for listening. You might have found this show on many number of platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or right here on Debutify. Whatever the case, if you enjoy this content and want to help us thrive, please take a few moments to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you think is best. We also want to hear from you, so whether you think you'd be a good guest or want to weigh in on anything related to our show, you can email podcast at Debutify.com or connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Finally, this podcast is created by the passionate team at Debutify. If you're ready to take the plunge into e-commerce or are looking to up your game, head over to Debutify.com and see how it can change your life and the lives of many through what you do next.